Welcome to the Growing in Grace podcast, where you can listen in on some casual conversation about the good news of Jesus without all of the inconsistent religious double talk. If you've ever struggled with feelings of hopelessness, guilt, and despair, or wondered if you're really right with God, it's time to discover the true freedom that comes with the gospel of unlimited and overflowing grace. Growing at Grace at growingingrace.org. I'm Joel Brzezinski, along with Mike Kapler, the two um, Grace guys doing this uh, podcast thing for yeah, 17 and a half years or so, and we've talked about a lot of stuff over the years, man, and um, every t- I get ex- excited. As an introvert I, I who doesn't like to talk, it was weird because this morning you texted me. We hadn't planned on previously on when we would record next, and I just got excited when you, um, well, you actually you emailed me and said you'd be available today or tomorrow or whatever, and I got to thinking, yeah. We get to talk about some grace. We get to talk about Jesus. We get to talk about the gospel. And that's what we've been doing all these years. And it's so exciting for me still after all these years to do this. So I'm really happy to be doing this podcast, the Growing in Grace podcast, again at growingingrace.org. Also, don't forget that um, we post all the podcasts on YouTube. I've been doing that for about 10 years or so. So you don't actually see us like face-to-face talking. You don't see our faces, but uh, the, the audio is posted there on YouTube, and uh, that's where a lot of people um, do their comments. We don't really get comments at growinggrace.org a whole lot. Sometimes we do, but um, that seems to be where the most interaction takes place. And, of course, you can find uh, the podcast on your favorite podcasting app. So um, thanks for coming along. Cap, what's happening? Well, let's uh, follow up on what we were discussing last week, Joel. We were in Luke 14 talking about disciples and what what they are, what what they're not. Um, Jesus laying down a very tough, rigid standard for those who wanted to be disciples. And, and, you know, another time, remember when uh, Jesus said, somebody said, hey, I'll I'll follow you, but give me a few days. My dad just died. Uh, Mm. I need to bury him. And, you know, you, you would think the compassionate Jesus would have showed up right then, but Jesus was like, hey, let, let the dead bury their own dead. Come on, follow, if you're going to follow me, follow me now. Right. And so there was always this this real tough standard. This this the, the, the bar was very high to be a disciple. And so they were called disciples because they were what? They were pupils. They were students. They were learners from Jesus. That's what a disciple means. It's, it's nothing more than that. It's nothing less than that. It's just somebody who's a learner, a pupil. Um, that's what it means in the Greek. Um, and so, but the ultimate goal of the disciple with their teacher was to become like the teacher. Uh, Jesus was unique in that that was never going to be possible through what they did. They, they were never going to be able to carry a cross that was going to bring redemption. And so that's why Jesus was saying, if you really want to be my disciple and you want to follow me all the way through this thing, uh, to the end, then you should start counting the cost. I mean, it's the only place it's mentioned in the New Testament, count the cost, but religion has taken this, like a lot of things, and has tried to make this a, a big deal. They've used it to bring guilt into people's lives and um, commitments and, and sometimes even money. Um, it's, it's, it's a racket out there sometimes when it comes to religious 
corporations. It's a big <laughs> trying scam. to lure people in to their little web that they're spinning. So uh, we're we're just trying to try to put people at ease here because if, if you're not familiar with uh, um, a, a bigger picture regarding the new covenant and, and the message of the gospel, you can get lost in these verses. It's like wandering wandering around in a forest. And um, it's just real easy to get sidetracked and, and make some assumptions, some false assumptions that, that really shouldn't be considered. So, Joel, let, let's kind of get back into this, because uh, uh, another thing that um, I, I just want to mention this, because earlier in the chapter, we, we were kind of in the late, uh, the latter part of Luke 14 last week. But earlier in the chapter, Jesus talks about something called, in some Bibles, it's called the, the parable of the dinner. Um, we'll just go with that where he sends out invitations, um, which ultimately were, were for Jewish people. And you can go back another chapter and find out how Jesus is talking about Israel. And then he comes to this where he sends out invitations for people to come to this supper. And he started getting replies back saying, well, we're, we're not going to be able to make it. And the servant came and told them, reported these things. They have all these other things going on or they're going to get married or they, they have to tend to their cattle. They got to go out in their field. Excuses, you know, kind of like the one I just mentioned where I have to bury my father and then I'll follow you. I have to do this. So I won't be able to make this dinner. I won't be able to accept your invitation this time because I've got other things to do. So the servant came, reported these things to the master. Master says, okay, head out to the streets in the lanes of the city and bring in the poor, the maimed, the lame, and the blind. Uh, well, we've done that, Master, and there is still room in here. So then the Master said, okay, go to the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. I remember many years ago, Joel, verse 23 here, go out to the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. I remember that one verse was um, taken a little bit out of context years ago when I was part of a, a young adults ministry. <laughs> oh. uh, I attended a young adults ministry, um, and they they would use this verse to, you know, uh, coax people to go out and knock on doors and try to get people to come to church. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's a bigger context here. There's a, a bigger story. In fact, that word hedges. Uh, in the New King James here, and I think it's also in some other translations, ESV and others, uh, that go out to the highways and the hedges. That word hedges, it's the same Greek word that you'll find in Ephesians chapter 2 when Jesus was referring to the law of commandments. It was called a barrier or a wall. Um, it, this is that same word. It was go out, go out beyond the law, go out beyond Israel and compel them to come in. In other words, this, this was a hint toward the Gentiles so that the house could truly be filled. And before I, I tell you, I say to you that none of those who were invited and didn't show up shall taste of my supper. And then he, he gets into this discipleship thing after that. Whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. You need to count the cost. And um, so this is what we're getting into and got into a little bit last week. I'll let Joel step in here and, and figure out where we want to go from here. But I, I think what we're trying to communicate to you is the people Jesus was referring to 
Jesus was talking to, the ones that Jesus was speaking to, those Jewish people who maybe had a desire to be a disciple of Jesus, he was trying to tell them, you can't afford this. Jesus wasn't trying to get a commitment or a a denarius deposit of some kind uh, from them. He was trying to show them that regardless of what their commitment was, it still wouldn't be enough. Only Jesus would be able to carry a cross that would bring redemption. Only Jesus would be able to utter the words, it is finished. Finished. Anybody else would only be able to start the job and, and be left there standing, uh, looking silly. Yeah, because the the price was paid. The cost was paid by him. It, you see this all throughout the you know, especially Paul's epistles. You, you know, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe and being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Jesus uh, Christ Jesus. To the one who does not work but believes, um, that is who God justifies. That's who God makes righteous. And so when you see the gospel um, written out clearly by someone like Paul, uh, when he wasn't trying to do what Jesus was doing in Luke here, he wasn't trying to, sh- to say, here's, here's what it costs and you're going to have to do this just so you know, you're not going to be able to do it. You know, that's what what Jesus was getting to. Paul had laid it out clearly, saying that it's free. It's a free gift. And I, I like um, in Matthew uh, 22, you were reading earlier in Luke, right? The, the, the yeah, parable. yeah, I've been in, in Luke 14. Yeah, in 14, and then which is where, where we were at last week, too. In uh, another um, place where Jesus is talking about a wedding, um, and he talks about going into the highways, um, and as many as you find, invite to the wedding. So those servants went out. This is Matthew twenty-two, ten. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all whom they found, both bad and good. That strikes me. You know, both bad and good. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. So it wasn't about their commitment. It wasn't about how well they had performed. It wasn't about how well of a uh, learner they had been. It wasn't about how well they had uh, followed Jesus. It just says that they were invited to the wedding, both bad and good. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. And so that's how this works. That's how becoming a person who is in Christ, it's, it's by faith. It's by grace. It's by God's grace. It's his gift. You're invited and you get to come. You get to be a guest, and it's forever. So in Luke 14, uh, all of these things that he says, like you, you were talking about, um, you know, we talked about last week how he said you have to hate your own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, even your own life, otherwise you can't be his disciple. I mean, that's pretty tough stuff there. And if you don't bear your own cross, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Um we say again, like I talked about last week, we take that hate your father and mother thing as hyperbole. And then this next verse, whoever does not bear his own cross, we kind of take that figuratively. Uh, but Jesus wasn't being figurative here. Whoever does not bear his own cross. And because cross today, the cross has become a symbol. It's become, you know, people use it symbolically back then. Bearing your own cross meant you will go to the cross and die. That's what bearing your own cross meant. It wasn't a figure of speech. 
Um, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. And again, you know, you got to sit down and count the cost as if, as if we can do what it takes <laughs> uh, to see this thing through all by ourselves. Um, Jesus is the one who did it. He's, he's the one who um, said he was going to do it. He, he told them he would lay down his own life and he did. He was going to do it freely. And uh, he, so he's the one who did it. Um, we are not the ones who did it. We couldn't possibly do it. And that's really the point of all this. The r- rich young ruler, Cap, you had brought this up, I think, beforehand, uh, is, is another example of how Jesus approached people regarding their own righteousness, their, their own perhaps sense of self-righteousness. Like, hey, hey, I can do it. I can do it. So the rich young ruler in Luke 18, a few, a few uh, chapters later, asked Jesus saying, Good teacher, what shall I do? What shall I do to inherit eternal life? Okay, a serious student here, a serious person asking a serious question. Just tell me what I can do to inherit eternal life. Jesus, of course, said, uh, why do you call me good? No one is good but one, and that is God. You know the commandments. You know the commandments. This is Jesus' answer to the man who asked, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother. So now we, on this side of the cross, with Paul's epistles, with our understanding of the gospel, we know that that's not how you inherit eternal life. It's a free gift. But Jesus didn't say that. Uh, But the rich young ruler said, all these things I have kept from my youth. (laughs) So when Jesus heard these things, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. Does that remind you of anything? Uh, this thing in Luke 14, where he said, "Any one of you who does not say adieu, who does not say goodbye to everything, he, to all his possessions, cannot be my disciple." So again, it's all it. You know, Jesus is not laying down the actual what it will actually take for a person to come to know him. But he's showing them that it's it's impossible through what you do uh, to come to know God. Yeah, it's funny sometimes how we we call some things hyperbole that aren't, and vice versa. <laughs> <laughs> Sermon on the Mount was a, another great example where you, you'll find religious people trying to apply things that Jesus said to Christianity today that were never really meant to be. Mm-hmm. But, you know, with the rich young ruler, yeah, I mean, he he asks a law-based question and he gets a law-based answer from Jesus. What do I have to do to inherit eternal life? I mean, we have a contradiction in, in terms right away. What do I have to do to inherit? <laughs> right. Um, so, um, you know, Jesus looks at his watch and says, okay, well, let's see. It's still the old covenant. It's a quarter to old covenant. It's <laughs> half past the law. <laughs> and uh, and he says, so here's, here's the answer to your question. Just follow the commandments. Good luck. And, uh, okay, well, I've tried to do that. I've pretty much done it. I think I'm okay. Woohoo! And then Jesus said, "Well, okay, one more thing: sell everything you've got, give it away, give it to the poor, follow me." Um, well, he walked away sad. He wasn't given the good news. That's why he walked away sad. He right. was just given law, law that he couldn't keep. And some people will try to teach, "Well, Jesus said that just to that guy." 
Well, not according to Luke 14, anybody who wanted to follow after him, anybody who wanted to be called a follower, anybody who wanted to be called a disciple, they had this strict requirement. Because why? Well, if you really loved your neighbor as yourself, as you think you might, if you really did, then you'd sell everything you have and give it away. That's the point Jesus was making to the rich young ruler and also, in in essence, to the people in, in Luke 14. Uh, so these things that Jesus was saying, he wasn't saying them to you and me, um, but we look back on it and, and we appreciate how all of this unfolded. And that's why, again, there is nothing in the New Testament writings past the Gospels about carrying your own cross or counting the cost. Jesus took care of all that for us. That's right. And you know what else Jesus took care of falls into all of this is religion. Jesus, a lot of people, when they think about Jesus, they think of a religion. But Jesus didn't come to bring a religion. He came to give life. So Jesus didn't start a religion. He himself is not a religion. That's something we're going to talk about next week. Stick with us on the Growing in Grace podcast, if you would. This has been Growing in Grace with Mike Kapler and Joel Brzezinski. Heard online through various internet sources around the world each week. Access past programs by visiting growingingrace.org. Share it with a friend and listen again next week for more Growing in Grace.